This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Well, I don't really know where to begin. It's been an interesting couple days with me and technology. First my phone, then my laptop. Y'all probably really don't care about my phone and that's all good, but my laptop has to do with this podcast and that was part of the problem today. So James and I taped this podcast at 3 p.m. today, which is Monday. And after I stopped the recording, I got like the will of death. Then my computer decided to crash and the podcast was gone. And James had to go to work at the NFL Network. I even made him late to a meeting. I'm sorry, Jay. And it is almost Mm -hmm. 11 p.m. because he just got off air. And we are starting all over again. Yippee. (laughs) Man, man, man. Thanks for hanging in there with me, though, man. Appreciate you. The things you do for friends, I guess, you know. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we appreciate you, okay? I'm sure the listeners appreciate you, too. Um, Well, anyways, this is Keeping It 300. We are back with another episode after taking a week off for Thanksgiving. I hope you all missed us because we missed you. But we were busy having fun with the fam. Uh, James, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Man, I sat on the couch, ate... Got up, got something to drink, sat back on the couch, ate again, got up, got something to drink, sat back on the couch <laughs> watching football, and then I just threw the football to the kids in the living room while I still sat on the couch, so I enjoyed myself. <laughs> you were a full-fledged couch potato for Thanksgiving, basically. What did you have going on? How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, you know, I was just in the, the U.S. Virgin Islands. No big deal. Wait, 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 wait. In paradise. You know, I was just in the U.S. Virgin Islands. You know, no big deal. St. Thomas, St. John. Nah, it was a, it's a free trip, man. Free trip, okay? Uh, My husband's team, Mizzou, was playing in that tournament. It's the Paradise Jam. Uh, So that was really fun. And then I was able to come to San Jose just in time for Thanksgiving to spend Thanksgiving with my fam. You know how we do. We throw down. It was fun. Probably gained 10 pounds. It's all good. I'm supposed to be back in Missouri, though. But my flight was canceled because of the snowstorms in the Midwest. So I'm still here in San Jose. Couple extra days with the fam. Doesn't hurt at all. But I am missing my husband's home game tomorrow night. So... I'm pretty bummed about that. But you already know how it is, Jay. When the snowstorms come in the Midwest, all the flights are canceled. I think 1,300 flights were canceled for this recent snowstorm. That's crazy. And it doesn't help that you're going into one of the smallest airports, kind (laughs) of like Green Bay, where there's only two airlines that go into the airport. Mm -hmm. So once a flight gets canceled, you can't even, like, change it and get on another one because none is going in there because there's no other airlines that go in there. It's just it's crazy. What are the airlines that fly into Green Bay? 
I think it's Delta and uh, United that fly into Green Bay. Oh, I wish we had Delta. So we only had American, but about last summer or maybe this summer, they finally got United. So now we have American and United, but there's only a couple flights a day going in and out. And there's no direct flights, you know, to San Jose or to oh, San Francisco. No, you got, yeah, you got to get on that little plane that only has three <laughs> seats on there. And you get yes. up in the air and you feel everything shaking like your seat <laughs> is about to drop out the bottom of the plane. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And these little planes, they always have maintenance issues. So... Lord, I've had like some nightmare travel stories, but we don't need to get into all of that. But uh, basically, I'm stuck here in, in San Jose. Not a big, not a big deal. Hopefully, I get home um, on Wednesday, so that would be nice. Well, thanks for sticking in there. I know it's very late, and tonight you basically were the post game crew for the Monday Night Football game. Uh, the Texans yeah. beat Tennessee for their eighth straight win, which is crazy after starting the season zero and three. And at that time. I thought the Texans were lightweight trash in the beginning of the season. Yeah. So I did not see this coming at all. Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy because I, I got mixed feelings about the Houston Texans because they only have beaten one winning team. And that at the time, that was the Washington the Redskins. Redskins. Yeah. And so, I mean, I know you only play who's on your schedule. I mean, that's what we always say as NFL players. You play who's on your schedule. That's it. It doesn't matter. And it's hard to win NFL games, so you have to respect them. But it worries me because when you get in the playoffs and you start playing these very good teams that have winning records, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up against these teams because their strength of schedule is very weak. Even going on, I mean, after tonight, even going on, their schedule is very weak. So, when they get in these playoffs and have to play this comp- competition, we're going to see because, thank God, this was the Tennessee Titans you were playing and went down 10-0 because I couldn't imagine you going down 10-0 against the San Diego – I mean the San Diego Chargers. Against the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> yeah. You know, because those are teams that can score and are very good and have good defenses. So it'll be interesting to see how this team looks when they get in the playoffs. Well, you always say once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Hey, it's a one-game season from here on out once you get in the playoffs. And the thing is, tonight, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Miller, they balled out. And well, when it comes to Deshaun Watson, he was coming off that ACL injury. Uh, and last year, he was having a ridiculous rookie campaign, you know, before he tore his ACL. And a lot of people this year are wondering, you know, where is the Deshaun Watson we saw last year? Well, it takes some time when you come back from an injury like that to feel comfortable, um, you know, especially comfortable making plays with your feet, making plays, you know, on the run. And I think we're finally seeing that Deshaun Watson now. Absolutely. I mean, and even if you watch him the first three games they lost, he's a totally different quarterback right now. Yeah. And I think the best thing that happened to him, and I give credit to Bill O'Brien, their head coach, is, he started running the ball yeah, more. Exactly. I think I think he was built up in the hype as well too because mm-hmm. he's seen all these crazy plays his quarterback was making before he tore his ACL. So he was super. I felt like he was super excited to get him back. And once the game started, he was trying to throw it all over the field, use his legs and things like that. And you know, Watson had to get his legs under him, get a feel for the game again his first time back out there and he actually settled down and started handing the ball off to Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue and all those guys and letting him run the ball and it's, it's helped Watson not only throw the ball from the pocket better but it helps him in the play action game and they look good today because they ran the ball 
he ran the ball with his with his legs, mm-hmm. and they played deep. So they got a very good team. Your Packers, though. <clears throat> Last night, Sunday night, your Packers lost to the Vikings, uh, dropped to 4-6-1. and one. So now, James, I'm sorry, but their chances of making the playoffs are slim to none. Technically 3%. So there's still a chance. You still got a chance. <laughs> but with that Let said, take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're saying there's a chance, but let's be real. Yeah. Um, but anyways, with that said, Mike McCarthy, the man who drafted you, yeah. is he yeah. done in Green Bay? I hope not. Um, I love Coach Mike. I love the type of coach he is. I love how he gets the best out of his players. And the only reason I'm saying to keep Coach Mike is because it's his first time with the new GM, first season under him. Yep. They drafted the guys they wanted, brought in some free agent guys that they wanted. So I feel like we need to give them a couple years yeah. to together. get the t- type of team they want. This is still the team that Ted Thompson had put together. Let him and the new GM get the team that they want to put together and see how it goes. But another thing is, is, the Packers have been in every single game besides the Detroit game where they just laid an egg in at Detroit. They have been in every single game. You're in the Patriots game. It's your ball. It's 17-17. Aaron Jones gets the ball, breaks a nine-yard run, fumbles. Mm-hmm. And you can't recover from that. Tom Brady and them guys go down and score. That has nothing to do with the coach. That's with the player not making a play. Yeah. Rams game. You get the ball back, you're down two. Ty Montgomery brings the ball out of the end zone. All Aaron Rodgers needs is a field goal. He fumbles. That has nothing to do with the coach. That is a player not making plays. And then last week, um, I I see, you know, just the mistakes. Even Aaron Rodgers overthrowing Devontae Adams. Uh, Tremont Williams coming up to feel the punt then stops last minute the punt hits them you know things like that that that's not on the coach that's on the players and I feel like the players and the coaches can get that corrected and I like coach Mike as our head coach I like how you're using examples of one play here one play there different season um every team goes through this you know oh if you make this play, that play. Oh, we could have made the playoffs, et cetera. Instead of being, you know, six and ten, you could have been ten and six. But it's not specifically just the Packers. It's every team goes through this. But you're basically saying the games that they did lose, you cannot blame that on Mike McCarthy, aside from the Lions game. Not at all. Okay. Not, at, not at all. Not at all. I, th- I think Coach Mike is doing, uh, doing a great job. I mean, he has – Young receivers in there right now with Aaron Rodgers, who Aaron Rodgers has to get a feel for, yeah. you know, has to understand, you know, the signals that they like, the routes that they like to run. That takes time. This is a very young secondary, very young team on defense. I feel like you have a lot of good plays on defense, and the, and the defense is actually playing very well right now. Yeah. I mean, it's about to be the beginning of the fourth quarter, um, and it's 17-17 in the Patriots against Tom Brady. The Rams' offense is 24 points, and you're getting the ball back. You held them 24 points. You know, you should win that game. Yeah. You know, and and even this last week, I mean, they played very well against Kirk Cousins and them, and the offense put up 17 points. You know what I mean? And basically 14 because you got that late field goal at the end of the game. You know, that really didn't mean nothing. So basically 14 points. So I feel like the offense has to help them, but they have a lot of young pieces 
and you have arguably the best quarterback in the game, and I think the Packers are going to be fine. Okay, with that said, a lot of the criticism is, yeah, you have one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers, but you've only won one Super Bowl with him. Yeah, I think that's the blessing and the curse about Aaron Rodgers because everybody's like, dang, Aaron Rodgers is so special. Mike McCarthy should have five Super Bowls. But at the same time, it takes everybody. And then I look at, okay, Mike Tomlin's had Ben Roethlisberger. You know, Ben Roethlisberger's going to have a gold jacket on one of these days. They're the same players. You know, he's better than Aaron Rodgers, but he's still a special quarterback. You know what I mean? And they have one Super Bowl win together. Then I look at Drew Brees, who's going to have a gold jacket, who's breaking records after records every game he goes into. He has arguably a head coach that people saying should be in the Hall of Fame or will be in the Hall of Fame, and they have one Super Bowl together. So it's a blessing and a curse, but it's other coaches that have special quarterbacks Like Philip Rivers, well, for example. And they have one Super Bowl, or they have none. Even Philip Rivers is a, is a special quarterback, you know. So, you know, I believe Coach Mike McCarthy has been in the playoffs eight out of the last nine seasons. He's been to NFC Championship games. We went 15-1, and 13-3. Like, he's put good products on the field every single year he has been there. And I feel like he's earned the right to keep the job as the Green Bay Packers head coach. Yeah, the thing with Green Bay, though, as you know, and all the fans, the standard over there is much higher, let's say, than the standard of the Oakland Raiders. Anyways, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, But I do have another question. What if the general manager wants to bring in his own head coach? Is that a possibility? And then that's when we'll be on one of these podcasts saying, where does Coach Mike McCarthy land next? <laughs> um, and yeah. that's, the, that's the only thing that, that worries me is because I don't know how this new GM is going to work. Now, if you're, we're sitting here and Ted Thompson's a GM, I will tell you straight up, Coach Mike McCarthy is not going anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. Him and Ted Thompson's relationship is unbelievable. They want to get this thing done together. Coach Mike is going to be there. But with this new GM going into to this offseason, I don't know what he's going to do, you know. So that's the only thing. I don't know how good of a relationship him and Mike have. I thought that was the reason they hired him because him and Mike have a very good relationship and they kind of had the same vision on how they wanted things to look. Yeah. So maybe I can see him giving Coach Mike another year and them to have another year together to get this thing going. Because, you know, I mean, the grass always looks greener on the other side, man. I mean, a new head coach coming here, Aaron Rodgers has to learn a whole new offense. He has to give a, a, a whole new bunch of signals to the to these young receivers that he has, you know. So, I mean, what are you going to try? You might waste another year of Aaron Rodgers, you know, bringing in a whole new coaching staff. So, Listen to what you just said. You basically just described the Oakland Raiders. The grass is not always greener. You fire Jack <laughs> Del Rio and you bring in this this shiny toy, you know, yeah. in uh, John Gruden. You think he's the answer. He's the guy who's going to turn the franchise around and take him to the next level. And you're sitting at 2-9, and nine, bro. 2-9. and nine. So. Yeah, yeah, but hopefully, I mean, he will turn it around. We'll see. I mean, we got to give him a little time, and then we'll then we'll say maybe. Now, if it's two, three years from now and it's still looking the same, we'll say, see, the grass was not always greener, <laughs> exactly. but it's a little better over there. Then. <laughs> 
you know, we'll say, great job, Mark. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Mark. Taste down, root it, and bring them in there. <laughs> it's funny. I'm going to take back everything I said. I'm going to be like, you know what? I was wrong. I have to admit I was wrong because obviously I give yeah. them a lot of crap on this podcast. But um, as I mentioned, the Packers' chances of making the playoffs are 3%. Not very good. Those are not good chances. But I guarantee you'll have a better chance of making some cash if you go to mybookie.ag. Yes, go to mybookie.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Again, that's mybookie.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE, and get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. You can't beat that at all. You can also follow them on Twitter at BetMyBookie. So make sure you go and do that. So I'm going to stick with Coach McCarthy for a second because I was on Twitter last night and I came across an interesting thread (laughs) between you, Will Blackman, and Charles Woodson. So Will tweeted when he was with the Packers, I think it was back in 2008, y'all lost four straight road games. And every time you lost, Coach McCarthy made sure that each hotel got worse and worse. Is that true? <laughs> that is absolutely 300% <laughs> true. Listen, Coach Mike McCarthy had us staying at the Motel 5. <laughs> we like, what in the world is going on? Why are we in these motels? <laughs> like, we're like, man, geez Louise. I mean, we ain't got no room service. We have nothing. We like, why are we in these hotels? But as players, we're thinking like, okay, could be something going on, you know what I mean? Could be other teams staying at those hotels, and, you know, this was the only one available. And then, you know, it kept happening, and we're like, my goodness. And we realized, man, I think he's punishing us, man, because we ain't winning no road games. We're losing right now, so he got us staying over here in the Motel 5, and we were struggling. We probably were sleeping on bed bugs and everything. Oh, please. Did, did he ever admit that that's the reason? He never admitted, but... Uh, I, I remember a couple guys like when we when we started winning and we got on the on the plane. We a couple guys would say, "Man, I know we staying at a nice five star hotel now." And he just would smirk about it and laugh like, "Yeah, you know what I mean." I started winning now. Yeah, I'll, I'll treat you guys good. But he never truly came out and said like, "This is why I had y'all staying there." But he did say in one team meeting that when you win. You get nice things, <laughs> and everybody kind of, and everybody kind of said, "Mm-hmm," and to me, <laughs> all at once. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, so I know that you're being a little dramatic because I know you didn't stay at no Motel Six. You're ne- there's there, there's no way a professional football team is gonna stay at a Motel Six. So, was it like? A Best Western Holiday Inn, at least. No, it was it was a Holiday Inn Express, <laughs> and he had us at a Holiday Inn Express. And you know, we're coming from the Omnis, the the Hiltons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the Intercontinentals. We coming from we coming from big time hotels, five star hotels, the yeah. Ritz Carltons. Like we we living the dream over there. We living like rock stars. You order room service, you know, pancakes at midnight and all that. We get a special treatment. Then you catch yourself at at the Holiday Inn Express where you can't. There is no room service. You better wake up at five o'clock in the morning and come down when this breakfast starts. Oh my god! Start goodness. cooking. 
It's one meeting room. Everybody got to sit in there, offense, defense, special team, everybody. And we like, man, what are we doing? But, yeah, he had us at the Holiday Inn Express. It, was, it wasn't funny at the time, but now that I look back on it, I'm like, that's hilarious because we were stinking it up. We could have played better. Okay, so was Aaron Rodgers, can you confirm that Aaron Rodgers was, in fact, in the Holiday Inn Express? Like, he didn't get any special treatment? Aaron Rodgers, Charles Woodson, <laughs> Clay Matthews. <laughs> All these future Hall of Famers. No big deal. James Jones, Al Harris, Tremont Williams, Nick <laughs> Collins. We all in the Holiday Inn Express. You better lay your head down because we got a game. Okay, what about this? Did the coaches stay at the Holiday Inn Express? Or were they somewhere in a nice hotel? You know what, Fallon, that's a very good question because we have curfew. Oh, yeah. And after curfew, when we're in our room, we have no clue where the coaches stay, what the coaches do. So they probably could have left us and went to the Ritz-Carlton or something and had us staying at, <laughs> staying at the Holiday Inn Express because we always used to tell the coaches, how are you guys in first class and we are the ones playing the game and we're back here scrunched up and coach – why can't we kick our legs out and all that? You know what I mean? At least let the old linemen or, you know, if you got maybe six years up, you know what I'm saying, the veterans sit up there first class, you know what I mean? And you guys, you know what I mean? What do you guys need first class? When we get on the plane, they in first class, got glasses of wine, got their cheese and all that <laughs> up there, legs crossed, stretched out, and we going back here to coach. Hey, you know what? You make more money than the coaches, so they deserve it. Just saying. You know, Just saying. I mean, shoot, coach spoiled up there. We play in the game. We need our we need our legs stretched out, especially on long flights. I could just imagine you guys in the Holiday Inn Express. You're at night. Like, are you serious? We up in here, and then the coach is just laughing at the Ritz Carlton, getting massages, eating grapes, drinking wine. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling. I'm telling. It was rough. See, but it, I mean, it's something that you would never know anything about because you always had the finer things. Oh, in please! Life, are you, you know over here? You over here? You're always okay. spoiled. Okay. Five star hotels. Everybody can't be okay. like you. Fam. Now, actually, that is 100% <laughs> false. Um, number one. <laughs> <laughs> the only time, stop, stop laughing at me. Stop laughing. Wait, no, I'm waiting on you to get it out. <laughs> I hate you. So first of all, you're full of crap. Um, but the only time I would stay in hotels when I was younger, because I didn't do a lot of traveling like with the family at all when I was younger. But I remember when I would travel with my AU team and, you know, we was on a budget. <laughs> they called us the ghetto team because we were <laughs> not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> but we would stay at Holiday Inn's Best Westerns. Nothing's wrong with that. Right. But occasionally yeah. we got to stay at the Embassy Suites. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is the bomb hotel. This hotel is the ish. We got free breakfast. Like, oh, my goodness. So I thought that was awesome. Like, I thought that was a five star hotel. Like, I had no idea <laughs> that it was not. <laughs> At all. And then um, when I started in the business in small markets, you know, paying my dues in Wyoming and Tennessee, holla at y'all, um, making peanuts, you know, had the top ramen diet, making $20,000 a year. It was rough. Ooh, but that top ramen diet used to be good, though. Hey, top ramen, real good. <laughs> I actually was very skinny because that's all I could afford. I would, <laughs> anyways, I didn't go back on that diet, actually. But anyway, uh, we would be in like some bootleg hotels as well because my station, you know, was on a budget. So my whole life, really, up until maybe my mid to late 20s, that's what I was accustomed to. You know, Best Westerns, Holiday Inns, et cetera. I did not even know what a four-star or five-star hotel was. 
even in my adult age. Um, and then I got the job with NBC Sports. I remember traveling with the Raiders, and I would stay in some amazing hotels. I remember specifically in San Diego when y'all played the Chargers, I remember walking into the Omni Hotel, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm never leaving this place. And like, oh my goodness, I'm never leaving my room. It had like a jet tub right next to my bed. I was putting on the slippers and the robe. And I'm not even gonna lie. I'm kind of embarrassed to say this now, but I jumped into the tub with my robe and slippers on and started having a little photo shoot. Like, mama, I made it. Ooh, Look at me. You like get, that. You getting live? You getting live for? You getting live for the gram? At the time, I don't even know if I hit Instagram back then and didn't have Instagram <laughs> stories. But I remember it was like for my memories, and then I was sending it to my friends. Like, look at me. Anyways, I was kind of embarrassed, but I thought I made it because like it's I never gone. had nice things. Because you already know, all of our friends. Okay, you were big time because you were in. <laughs> the NFL at this time, I think it was your rookie year. We all went to Vegas, all of our friends, minus you. Um, and it was like 14 of us deep. And we split like two rooms and split the cost between 14 of us. <laughs> okay. Cause we was kind of on that, you know, that budget, not the NFL budget. Sometimes like that, you know, I mean, everybody, everybody could have had their same room at the Motel 5, but some people too bougie, okay, huh? Anyways, you couldn't bro, go we, back no, once we, you got a taste of the no, five-star. That, no, that's not even when I was working. You ain't even listening to me. That's not even when I was working. <laughs> that's when I was working at, like, Wyoming, and we would go. This is your first year in the league, dum-dum. Anyways, and so we would stay at some bootleg hotels, 14 of us, and still split the cost because we were poor. Not like you. Anyway, so after working, you know, at NBC Sports – staying in these nice hotels now i will be honest with you whenever i go on vacation with my friends it has to at least be a four-star hotel at least okay because bougie. now yeah. you bougie okay yes i've become a little hotel bougie now <laughs> anyways you're such a hater i feel bad actually for admitting that I'm a little bougie because, you know, I'm far from I know bougie. your moms. I know your pops. Two, two very humble oh God. people. Not bougie at all. And I don't, I don't know. They say they don't fall too far from the tree, but, ooh, you hotel bougie. Now, I know pops could stay with me at a Motel 6 right now, now he, but you he, need a four or five-star no, hotel. No, I don't Man. need a five-star. Do not need a Ritz-Carlton <laughs> or a Four Seasons. I'm just saying a nice quality hotel, a Marriott, a four-star something. You're a hater. But I have stayed at five-star hotels on vacation, not going to lie. But anyways, <laughs> I'm not bougie like that, bro. That's the only thing. I'm only hotel bougie. When it comes to everything else, I'm not. I can't even believe we're talking about this. Okay, we're, we're moving on. <laughs> we're moving on. Big time. Talking about big time. Anyway, you like to give me a hard time because you already know you forgot where you came from. Never that. I'm just kidding. Okay, so now to some not-so-good news, unfortunately. That we have to talk about. Uh, the 49ers making national headlines because they released linebacker Ruben Foster, their 2017 first round draft pick, after he was arrested for domestic violence charges. And the incident happened at the team hotel in Tampa Bay the night before their game. Yeah, the night before their game. And according to police, Foster and his ex girlfriend had a verbal altercation that turned physical. Allegedly, he slapped her phone out of her hand, pushed her in the chest area, and then slapped her in the face. It's the same woman who recanted her story in his previous domestic violence case earlier this year. So I think it goes without saying. The 49ers did the right thing by releasing him. 
Now, look, if this is in fact true, if he did slap her, he has no business in the National Football League. And they did the right thing and probably should have cut him a while back. And if it is true, then it sounds like the other incident when she recanted her story is what a lot of people thought it was. That he convinced her to recant her story back then. And she probably did it because she loves him. I mean, clearly this is a volatile relationship. But at the end of the day, there is no room for domestic violence in this world. Yeah, I'm with you. Especially, you know, the way the National Football League is handing, handling the domestic violence, you know, issues now, man. It's it's zero tolerance for this. And as it should be, I mean, you should never put your hands on a woman. I mean, I don't... I. The way I was raised up, I don't care what a woman does. My mom always taught me, you don't put your hands on no woman. You walk away, you leave, you do whatever you got to do to not put your hands on a woman. I don't care what it is. So, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with the San Francisco 49ers, especially after you had his back after the first time after all this went down. Um, and you stood by him, and then an incident happens again, and it doesn't help that it was in the team hotel before the game. And from what I hear, man, just their relationship is a love-hate relationship, but they love each other until the end, you know, and it's just one of those relationships to where if she does something to him, he does something to her, they always find their way back to each other. And these things happen, but... He has to be smarter than this. You cannot put your hand on a woman. Uh, the NFL is not going to tolerate it. And she shouldn't tolerate it. You know, this this is something that needs to that needs to stop, man. I mean, and not only with Ruben Foster, but all around the world, man. I mean, we got to get better. You should never put your hands on a woman. So the Niners did the right thing, and I truly think it's going to be hard for him to get picked up by any team, even if he does get out of this, because it happened twice. Let's just say she recants her story once again because she loves this man so much. Um, I really think later down the line, not this season, but maybe next season, a desperate team will pick him up. I, I really believe that. But even if he didn't do this, right, let's just say he didn't do any of this. She just was mad and called the police and said, this is what happened. So hypothetically, if this isn't true, he still deserved to be cut from the team because he continued to put himself in situations like this, right? And the 49ers, as we mentioned, already gave him multiple chances. They made even a deal with him that he wasn't even supposed to be around that woman anymore. And she was in the team hotel like, hello? Yeah, and, and, that, and that's hard because it's hard to... Stay away from somebody you love. Now, I know it's a difficult relationship and you guys do things you're not supposed to do, but he loves her. She loves him. And, you know, it's hard to just tell a person to stay away from a person you love. And, you know, situations like this happen. But I believe that no matter how this comes out, even if she comes out and say, he did not put his hands on me. None of this happened. I think since it happened before the season and another incident happened now, whether it's true or not true, I think that he's done. I think he's in trouble, and I don't think he's going to play again in the National Football League just because of all the stuff that happened, you know, before the season. And now you're in another situation that, yeah, it might not be true. We don't know what's going on, but even – 
your name being in another situation like this, it's a red flag. Yeah. And I don't think any NFL teams are going to take a chance on you, man. They're taking domestic violence very seriously. No, I, I kind of disagree with you with that because I think if charges are dropped, again, there's going to be a desperate team out there that's going to pick him up. I, I think he's done. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see. But this is what really disturbed me. John Lynch's quotes, some of his quotes. So a media member asked him if he regretted drafting him based on his prior history. And he said no. And that during the draft process, you evaluate a lot of players. And he wasn't, quote, nearly as bad as a lot of them. Now, the problem is GMs are willing to sweep character issues under the rug if they're getting a top-tier talent. That's just facts. And for the 49ers, this just ended up being a huge, huge mistake. Not only was he injured and missed a ton of games, but he was in the news for the wrong reasons multiple times, and he was given multiple chances. He didn't learn from his mistakes despite having a team that rallied behind him, despite having teammates like Richard Sherman who rallied behind him. I mean, he even went to to court to support him. I don't care what people say about how he was brought up, the life that he lived, how tough it was for him, how he didn't have parents. I don't care. You're a grown man. You know the difference between right and wrong. And there's absolutely no excuse for putting your hand on a woman. Point blank, period. No excuse. You're absolutely right about no excuse for putting your hand on a woman. But I agree with John Lynch in this one because when you're evaluating a player, you go to his coach, head coach. You go to his position coaches. You might even reach out to his high school coach or maybe, you know, might even reach out to some of his friends or whatever. And if everyone's telling you, about a guy that you just met that you don't know like that, like, listen here, John, he's changed, man. The last couple of years we've seen this kid change. He made a mistake early in his career. We've seen him change. We haven't had any problems with him since then. He's been He's been a blessing around here, not only for Alabama, but even off the field. And you just get all these good vibes from the coaches, and you don't know the kid. You're like, okay. He's past that. Let's draft him. Give him he wasn't past give it, though. Him a, give him a, but, I'm, but I'm saying they didn't know that. What they're hearing from the coaches is that he's a changed man. So they took a chance on him thinking that, okay, these coaches ain't lying to me. He's a changed man. He's put all this behind him. And then you catch yourself seeing the kid fall so late in the in the draft and now you're like wow he's here when it's our pick this is a steal and the coaches told us that he changed and he's a changed man he hasn't been in trouble in years and this and that you're like let's take him and then this time it backfired on you sometimes it works out the kids get it sometimes it doesn't but here's the thing before the draft remember or he left the nfl combine after a heated argument don't you remember that? This is at the NFL yeah. Combine. Yeah. And he was a potential top 10 pick. Obviously, he did drop to 31, but still, that's a red flag like character issues. He got into a heated argument with the hospital worker. I mean, and the hospital worker, I mean, we don't know the ins and outs of it, but I've been at the Combine. And <laughs> I went into the hospital room with all these organizations there. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. 
They're moving all your muscles around. They're moving your hips around. When I was at the combine, they stretched my hips, and they're like, we need to go get you an x-ray. You're super stiff. And I'm like, I've always been stiff in my hips. Nothing is wrong with me. But they still sent me to go get an x-ray. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. You expect me to be like a ballerina out here, super flexible and all that? I just got up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I haven't, I haven't even brushed my teeth yet, and I'm talking to you, and you probably haven't even brushed yours, Doc. Like, you expect me to be flexible? So I understand some of his frustration. I don't know the story, but I do understand the frustration. He tested positive for a diluted urine sample at the NFL Combine. And it's been a lot of guys that tested positive for urine at the NFL Combine and turned out to be pro bowlers and great guys in the community. All I'm saying is this, John Lynch. All I'm saying is there was red flags. Okay. Yes, there was red flags, and and like John Lynch said, there's red flags on 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 almost everybody coming into the NFL draft. But you you take your chances. He took his chances, and they got blasted because it didn't turn out a good draft pick. And he continued to do the same stuff he was basically doing at Alabama, and it hurt him. But it's a lot of guys that come in and they do well. So I don't blame John Lynch at all, but I mean, I blame Ruben Foster. I mean, he he truly, with his stuff off the field, is messing his whole career up. I mean, he definitely just threw millions of dollars down the toilet. Like, I don't understand when these athletes get themselves in these situations, when you get these big contracts and then you go and do something stupid. Like Aaron Hernandez. He got this huge freaking contract and he was murdering people. Like, how do you do these things? When you are blessed and given this platform and given these big contracts and you could change your family's lives and you know what I'm saying? And better your grandchildren's grandchildren. You know what I mean? You could have all your family set for life. I I agree with you. And it's, and it's crazy that some people can't leave this life that they had in the past alone and, and move forward. They, they want to continue going back to that life and when you have more money, it's more problems, and you mm-hmm. get in trouble. But it always it always kills me because I know there's a million kids out there training right now, wishing that they could have this opportunity. They have the opportunity to play in the National Football League, and then you yep. see guys in the National Football League just throwing away their opportunity, and there's other kids out there working that'll do anything to do to get in the National yeah. Football League. But I guess it's part of life you learn, and hopefully he can learn from this and, and move forward. I don't think he plays again in the National Football League, but hopefully he could get some help and he's not in an incident like this anymore, man, because, I mean, putting your hands on a woman, I mean, ain't, ain't no rule. Zero. Zero. Zero tolerance. And I've, I've been around a lot of it, and it's zero tolerance for putting your hands on women. I mean, I, I can't even respect a man that puts his hands on a woman. To be honest with you. Well, well said. I guess we will move on now. Let's talk about the Raiders. Um, but if we're going to keep it 300, there's no need to talk about the Raiders until after their final game and until we know where they are drafting and where their draft position is. Um, but because we do have a Raider following, we'll spend a couple minutes on them. Uh, they're 2 and 9 after their loss to the Ravens on Sunday. And basically, to recap the game, this is all you need to know the Ravens, they rushed for 242 yards. Carr was sacked a handful of times once again. And former Raider Michael Crabtree iced the game for the Ravens. Yeah, that's really all you need to know. 
the Raiders played very good in the first half, didn't come out in the second half and play good football. Um, what I'm really thinking is, okay, the season's over. You're not making the playoffs. I feel like John Gruden should hand over the play calling to Coach Olsen, mm-hmm. who was with Derek Carr his rookie year, who had Derek Carr playing at a very high level as a rookie, getting the ball out of his hands very fast in his system. I feel like, okay, let's see how the offense looks and how Derek Carr looks with Coach Olsen calling the play. So maybe next season if they're clicking, maybe Coach Olsen could call these plays because he knows Derek Carr a little bit better than Coach Gruden. That's what I would like to see. I don't think it's going to happen, but Um, that's what I would like to see. And another thing I would like to mention, and I mentioned this to Derek Carr and Jordy Nelson as well, hmm. I've been to two games this year. Oh, Lord have mercy. Here we go. I already know where and this is going. that is the Cleveland Browns and the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. And we have two victories. Okay. So they feel my presence when I'm there, and they play at a higher level. I remember when I was with the Raiders, and I know you've seen Friday Night Lights, I always told Derek Carr and Coach Olsen, get Booby the ball, and we'll win the game. And <laughs> they always used to crack up laughing. So I told them when I came to these games, you guys know when Booby's in the building because you play at a higher level and you win these ball games. So I'm just saying, I know Mark Davis is going to listen to our podcast because he told me he was going to listen. So <laughs> oh, is that right? I'm just talk. I'm just talking to him right now, letting him know, like, please just have my tickets for the press box next to you, home and away games, so we can go ahead and get the Raiders these Ws. You do realize. The games that you went to, right? Fallon, 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 Fallon. All games are winnable, no, okay? If they're on the schedule, the... they're winnable. No, you went to the <laughs> two bust, most winnable. Don't, don't, try no. to bust, don't try to bust my bubble okay. right now. I'm excited. No. They're 2-0 and when I come to the no. games, okay? You went to two winnable <laughs> football games. Do not even try that. Gosh, you have to get the I'm hate out your saying. blood and just be happy for me. <laughs> okay, so when they play the Chiefs at home, you about to go to that game? What's up? I mean, if Carr says I need you here because I know we win when you're in the building, I'll show up. But, you know, that's, they just play at a higher level when I'm near, and I know it. I feel it. I feel the energy when they see me on the sidelines. They look me in the eyes like, oh, yes, it's showtime, and they win. You know, it's just it's just part of it. You I know legit I mean? can't stand you. I legit cannot stand you at all because you are full of crap so let me tell you you should go Sunday this Sunday when they play the Chiefs at the Coliseum and see what happens because they are like a 15 point underdog I mean I understand what you're saying and they probably gonna lose by like 30 if I did come it will be the biggest upset of the year because they play better when I'm in the building so then why don't you just go you know, because I got stuff to do this Sunday. Yeah, you know okay, that's I mean? an I excuse. Because you, works on nah, you want it, you want your record to be unblemished. So you want to have an undefeated two and zero record when you're at the I'm Raider just, game. I'm so just, you're not going. I'm just saying you're they scared? had to fight and scratch. It. They had to fight, scratch and claw to the games that I went to. It wasn't like yeah, because it's the battle out, of man. the bad teams. It was the battle of the bad teams. Man. It doesn't matter. I mean, Cleveland playing some good football right now. But anyways, yeah. I mean, the hate is in your blood, and you're not going to give me my credit that I'm in the building and they win, so it's all good. I'm not giving you your credit. You don't deserve it. Now, if they won Sunday against the Chiefs, and I'd be like, dang, James is on to something. Mark Davis, you need to put him on your payroll. You know what I'm saying? You know, I might just go. I might just clear my schedule to be there Sunday so I can show you <laughs> how they play when I'm in the building. I cannot stand you. But, um, you know who took a lot of L's this weekend? 
Who's that? That would be Hugh Jackson. Oh, Hugh. Yeah, oh, Hugh man. took L's, like a lot of L's this weekend. So you're fired from the Cleveland Browns, all right? And then now you're a special assistant for the Bengals. Okay. So Sunday, the Browns beat the Bengals. And he was taunted during the game by one of his former players. And then after the game, got slighted by his former quarterback. Now, I'm going to start with the first incident. Demarius Randall picked off Andy Dalton. And then he ran to the Bengals' sideline and handed Hugh Jackson the football. And Hugh probably was like, I don't know what's going on right now. He put him in an awkward position, so he just slapped Randall's helmet as if he was, like, congratulating him on the play. But, bro, that was disrespectful. Like, why would you go and embarrass your former coach like that in front of, like, the world? I mean, that's so disrespectful. You're you're absolutely right. And I played with Randall, and, you know, Randall's, Randall's a good dude. But if I was Hugh Jackson, I would have slapped that ball out of his hands and said, man, quit trying me like that. Don't run this ball up over here to me. But Hugh took it on the chin like a straight soldier, like he's been taking everything this whole time he's been with the Cleveland Browns yeah. on the chin. Yep. And he just took it with a grain of salt like it's all good, grabbed the ball, set the ball down, didn't smile, didn't do nothing, didn't show no emotion, and just took it with a grain of salt. But Took the high road. He took the high road. Yeah. Yeah, you you can't you can't do that, man. That that that's disrespect, man. Like my mom always used to tell me, respect your elders. Seriously, you know what respect I mean. Your and that was your coach, man. Respect your elders. Now, if that was one of your teammates over there that you know just got cut or just you know what I mean said something bad about you, and you see him over there hand him the ball, that's different. But respect your elders. Don't do Hugh like that, man. It wasn't Hugh didn't go up in there and say, hey. Let me go. I want to go to Cincinnati. He got and fired. Come back and play. Are they fired? Him? Fired. And you got to go find a new job when you get fired. Just like any player, when you get cut, okay. Hopefully a team come pick me up. I don't care what team it is. Just want to play football. Some some team come get me. Hugh just want to coach, and Marvin gave him another opportunity to be a coach. Okay, I'm sure that's not the only job that was available. And I also don't think that he needed a job. He could just be drinking a margarita in Cabo right now because he's still getting paid by the Browns. So Okay, so Fallon, I know I know you love what you do. You love yes. being on TV. You love talking. You love yes. talking sports. You're yes. very good at what you do. If you got fired and NBC Bay Area still was paying you, but Fox came to you and said, we want to hire you to host this show. Are you going to say, no, I'm just going to sit over here on the beach. Uh, you know, NBC still nah, paying. No, I get your you point. love what you do. You're going to go to Fox and you're going to do that. And when you go back to NBC Bay Area, they should all jump and cheer and say, Fallon's back because that's the relationship that you had with them. And it wasn't your choice to leave. They fired you. No, that is not the same thing because you know why? <laughs> He's making millions and millions of dollars. We're talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars here. You know what I'm saying? We're not talking about millions of dollars. That yeah, is a different it thing. It doesn't like, matter. Sometimes sometimes you love what you do beyond the money. Uh, you know what okay. I mean? That's why that's why you get football players out there that say, I will play for nothing. You know, you like you love you love the game. Okay, but Jack Del Rio got fired and guess what he's doing? He's traveling the world with his family. 
Because when else is he going to yeah, do it? He got I mean, all this money. They're still paying him. He got fired. So travel the world. He's not trying to get back into coaching right are, this second. People, people, people are different, though. You know what I'm saying? Jack probably wanted to be a head coach again, and nobody was giving him that opportunity to be a head coach. So he's like, look, I'll just get paid. If I ain't no head coach right now, I'll just get paid. I don't want to go back to USC. He might be the next coach of USC. Hmm? Just kidding. Sure, he's I'm not. Sure cause, he'll go over there and get paid. Nah, because uh, they actually brought Helton back, so which is freaking insane. I can't even believe that. Yeah, probably, probably for this season. That's so crazy. But anyways, um, <laughs> then there was another incident. Okay, so he took an L during the game with Randall, an L because of the game because the Browns <laughs> beat the Bengals, and then he had another L after the game. So three Ls, and this was. <laughs> When he made an effort, I don't know why he did this, but Hugh made the effort to find Baker Mayfield after the game and congratulate him, and and Baker wasn't really feeling it. It was like an awkward moment where he was trying to go in for a hug, but Baker was pulling away, so so, uh, Hugh tapped him on the head like, okay, good, good job, buddy, whatever, and it was so awkward. But Hugh, homie, you know Baker wasn't a huge fan of yours, so why did you go out of your way to congratulate him? It was lose-lose for Hugh. If Hugh Jackson did what I did when I played, not shook nobody's hand and just darted to the sideline, the cameras would have been on Hugh like, wow. He didn't say nothing to none of his former players, didn't shake shake their hands, nothing. And then he would have been all in the papers for that. Out of respect for his players that he coached there for the years he were there, he went up, congratulated him, tried to shake his hand. Now, as for Baker... I feel like, listen, man, this is your coach. Like, I feel like you respect you respect your coach. He got fired. Yeah, no. He didn't choose to leave. He got fired. You know, but I think that this all stems from the bad relationship they had. Yeah. Because so many players get cut. So many players get traded. And they go to the other teams, and when they play their old team, it's jersey swaps, everybody's showing them love just because of the relationships that you built over there. Yeah. And that's why you do and that's why you do that type of stuff. Now if you have a bad relationship with somebody, you're not gonna jersey swap, you're not gonna shake hands, you're not gonna go over there and act like you cool. That's just part of it. And I think that's Baker's and uh and Hughes relationship and you know, maybe Hugh thought it was something different, and Baker mm-hmm. like, nah, man. You know, this is this is how it is. So, you know, I'll shake your hand. You know, but I ain't coming in for all that hug and adapt and all that. Now, here's the thing: Baker, obviously, after the game, he was he was basically salty. He said, you know, this was someone who was in our locker room and asking us to play for him, and then he goes to a team, you know, the Browns that we played twice a year. Um, so I guess he didn't like it. Was poor tact. Like if he went to. I don't know, another team, the 49ers. I don't think he would care. Um, but he went to a team in their division that they play twice a year. That offered him a job. Now, listen, hold on. Here's another thing, though. You said it was a lose-lose for Hugh Jackson, right? Now, the problem yeah. is he could have avoided this, and this is how. Why was he on the sideline? He could actually have been up in the box and helping them that way he didn't have to have his face shown on the sideline they could if the camera's panning to the box who gives a crap the thing is he was in the center of everything he didn't need to be in the center of everything you know what I mean they made it about Hugh and he kind of made it about himself as well 
He should have just said, look, I want to be up in the box for this game. He should have said that. But my but my thing is, is even as Hugh is like, okay, I coach these dudes for a long time. I want to go down on the field, man. I want to be a part of this game on the field. Do you know what I mean? He wanted, he probably wanted to, after the game, go up and shake these guys' hands and tell them, hey, great job, man, keep going, whatever. Like, he coached these guys. He had relationships with these guys. If you're in the box when the game's over, you can't do none of that stuff. So he probably in pregame wanted to go and, you know, shake some hands, talk to a couple guys. So And then after the game, I mean, you want to go down there and you want to compete just like when guys come back and they play their former team. It's just a different emotion, especially if the team cuts you. You know, you want to go out there and show them you still can play. Yeah, but you know it's what different I mean? with Wanted to be on the sideline, like man, listen, I'm a great coach. You know what I'm saying? But I still feel like as players, I mean, I don't know the way I was raised. You know, I was not raised to be fake, yeah. and I don't think Baker was raised to be fake neither. He shook his hand. He didn't come in and act like they was best friends and all that. And I and I and I'm cool with that. But just get up there in the podium and say that. You know what I mean? Because you can't get up in the podium and say, well, he left. He didn't leave you. They they fired him. They yeah. kicked him out, basically. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, so you were okay with the exchange they had on the field, but you weren't okay with what he said at the podium because you think that that was just uncalled for. He didn't have to say that. Yeah. Yeah, because just like people say, you transfer from Texas Tech to Oklahoma. Like, when you went back and played them, I'm sure all your homeboys said, what up, Baker? What's going on? You know what I'm saying? I'm sure they went salty at you like that. So, no, I know there was, like, a lot of memes going on, and people were really hating on Hugh on Twitter. I mean, and it was funny. Okay, it was funny at the time, for sure. But Hugh is a great man. At the end of the day, he's a great man. Um, It was unfortunate that he couldn't win in Cleveland. And I don't know if you watched Hard Knocks, but I watched Hard Knocks. I watch it, like, every single season. Hard Knocks is, like, the bomb. But anyways, but after watching Hard Knocks and seeing – you know, that his brother passed away and then his mom died. This is just weeks apart. And he didn't miss work. Like, when he found out his mom died, he kept coaching during training camp. Literally coached that same day. It blew my mind. And yeah. even, like, the general manager is like, dude, you could take some time off. We understand. Your mom just passed away. He's like, no, I got to be here for these guys. I mean, he, like, loved what he did, like you said. I think he used football maybe as an outlet. Um, and maybe he used it to heal. I don't know. But he's been through a lot the last few years. And I think he should be commended for standing tall and keeping it moving. Absolutely. And that's why I was telling you before that he's not just going to go on the beach and, and drink margaritas because – this is what he loves to do. Like you just said it, his mom died, his brother died, and he still wanted to coach. Mm -hmm. Like he loves to coach. So just because he got fired from Cleveland, he still loves to coach and wanted to coach. It's not about the money. Like you said, it could be this is him coaching, you know, gets him away from all the the off-the-field stuff and helps him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think that um, Hugh will get another head coaching job? I say no. I think he's a very good offensive coordinator, but I say he will never be a head coach unless it's in college. Right? Or no? I I, I never see Hugh Jackson getting a head coaching job unless <laughs> unless he's an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator or, and that coach that he's on that staff with gets fired and he's the interim head coach. But I don't see him <laughs> getting a head coaching job. 
um, anymore. And I think this really hurt him too, just by seeing the interaction with the players on the sideline, because GMs and everybody see that and they're like, man, okay, his guys didn't even want to shake his hand. He'd had that type of relationship with him. And, you know, relationships with your players as a head coach is everything in the National Football League. you got to have a good relationship with your players. That's how they're going to play for you. That's how they're going to fight for you. And that's how you're going to win. And, you know, what happened this past Sunday, I mean, that let a lot of people know the relationship he had with his players. So I don't think he'll ever get a head coaching job again unless it's an interim head coach. God, and I feel just so bad because what happened this weekend, I mean, it was everywhere. And he kind of embarrassed himself and – you know he was at home looking on Twitter or seeing the the beams that were made about him, seeing the video, you know, I, and I just feel terrible because that probably crushed him. Yeah, I know. It's it's a crazy world, man. But, you know, I hope he's good and praying for him. I know he loves coaching, so hopefully that's his therapy and, you know, hopefully he can get back on his feet and, you know, be a great offensive coordinator. All right. Well, good stuff. And thanks for staying up until midnight. It's almost midnight right now. Ooh-wee. You're the bomb. Um, but before we go, I need to ask our listeners for something. We love y'all. And it is very important that you rate us and write reviews because I know you're listening. Uh, so please, if you haven't done so already, do it now. You got it? Cool. Thanks a lot. Well, that's going to do it for us. This is Keeping It 300, brought to you by Blue Wire and my bookie. Hope you enjoyed the show. For James, I'm Fallon. We out. Out of there. Peace.